you can progress, you can grow in your faith so that you, amen, can be a vessel that God can use for his honor and his glory. So if you got your Bibles, guys, I want to ask you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And we're going to begin our reading again at verse number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And we'll begin our reading at verse number 10. Glory to God. The text says, and Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, unified in thought and purpose. Verse number 11, let's read. It says, for some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. Everybody say, somebody from Chloe's house. Drop the dime on them. All right. It says, uh, for some members of Chloe's house have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, verse 12, some of you are saying I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying I follow Apollos or I follow Peter or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For now, no one can say they were baptized in my name. Oh, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. Verse 18, stop here. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Amen. Scandalous, an inside look at the Corinthian church. Now, the church at Corinth, as you remember, we told you on last week, the church at Corinth was lacking in unity. It was divided into four basic factions, and each one of them having their own leader and particular emphasis. We had Paul, amen, uh, the Corinthians' father in Christ Jesus, who, who was instrumental in starting this church. <clears throat> you had Apollos, who was a powerful, eloquent speaker who could who could lay it down with the best of them, amen? You had Cephas, who was Peter, who was the leader of the 12. And then you had those, Christ himself, who those who were spiritually, who thought they were spiritually more advanced than the other ones, and they said they follow only Christ. And apparently, when you look at this particular uh, text and you see what Paul is writing, uh, each one of these respective factions were acting in an antagonistic way toward the others. They had divided themselves up based on who they say they were following. And so Paul, as he comes to uh, this first chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, lets them know that we are all one in Christ. Everybody say, we are all one in Christ. Paul teaches this, 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 this pivotal idea by asking, is Christ divided? Uh, more literally, he asks, is Christ parceled out among you? Have you, you know, uh, do, do you, do you think that, that you're really are following God by dividing up against one another. Now, I want to say something here, and I want you to hear me very carefully. The division was not outside the church. The division was not coming from the world attacking the church. The vision was within the church. It was a church problem, amen? And if you look at your outline, one of the key thoughts that we said is that you know, the church is too important Amen. To ignore problems that need fixing. 
The church is too important. The institution that God left in the earth realm to advance kingdom principles is too important to not identify and fix problems that are going on in the church. I'm going to go even a step further. Your family is too important for you not to identify problems that need to be fixed and let the Holy Spirit help you to fix those problems. Can I get a witness? And so, so Paul wants the Corinthian Christians to be united in the same mind. Okay, go back to verse 10 with me right quick. Verse number 10. In the same mind, in the same mind. The word united, uh, he says here, I appeal to you, dear brothers, this is by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in, in the church. Let there be no divisions in the church. Let there be no divisions where? In the church. Well, why are there divisions in the church? Divisions are there because Satan has weaseled his way in and is causing disruption in a lot of our congregations around the, the state and around the country and in this city, all over the place. But Paul says no, there'll be no division, rather be a one mind united in thought and in purpose. The word united comes from a Greek word used for setting bones. Uh, whenever you have a broken bone and a doctor sets that bone, he sets it back in place. Amen. Y'all have heard us use that example before to set something so it can heal properly. So it means it, it, the same word is used for the setting bones by the physician and for mending broken nets. And so as he gets into the idea is that Paul wants the church to be without these fractions. Factions. He wants the church to be without division. He wants the church to not have strife. Now, guys, let, let, let me say something right quick. In order for the church not to have strife, we're going to need believers growing and maturing in their faith. Anytime you have strife, anytime you have division, whether it be in the church family or in your individual family, somebody is not growing. Somebody is not applying the principles of God's word to their everyday life. So Paul says we need unity. You remember uh, Psalms, I think it's Psalms, 133. Let's go there right quick. Psalms 133. And, and, and you heard this down through the years. And we're going to see again, as I said before, how valuable unity is to God. It says, a Psalm of David, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. The, the KJV says, pop it up in the KJV. I want to read it in that one right quick. Uh, it, it's critically important. He says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together, what? In the unity. Verse number two, it says what? It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. Can anybody tell me what kind of role did Aaron play? What, what was his office in, 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 as it relates to the temple and the way that they did under Judaism? What was his role? He was a priest, okay? Uh, and so priests, when the Bible says here that, that, that unity is just like uh, the precious ointment that, that's, that's put up on the high priest's head and rolls down his head and comes down to his beard, the high priest, most, most Israelites only saw one priest uh, anointed in their, high, in, in their lifetime to become the high priest for the nation. And that all that he placed upon his head was so valuable it was so valuable that it was only used at that one period of time. And so what God is saying is unity 
is is so valuable to my kingdom agenda in the earth realm. So much so that when when we are the cause of disruption in the church, God will deal with us. Amen? Because we have troublemakers in the church. Y'all know that, right? You have gossipers. You have liars. You have people who just disrupted. You have people who just rank and ratchet. In the church. And their calls, I don't know where they came from. Amen? But, 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 but they're in the church. You're like, how can you profess to know Christ and live in such a way? So Paul says unity is very important. It's valuable. So again, but there was division. Look at y'all line. We talked about division. Division was brought on by contention. Look at verse number 11 of 1 Corinthians. Brought on by contention. The, the, the depth and the seriousness of the division is, is, is parlayed or is made known to us by using this word contentions. The word means wranglings, strifes, quarrels, factions. The church was arguing and they were splitting into groups and quarreling and fussing and fighting over some issues and there was severe strife between these factions or these cliques in the church. Now again, when we say cliques, let, let, me, let me clarify something here. Because you have a group of friends don't mean that you are a clique. Everybody has the right to have people who they connect with. And maybe you're not in that group that connect with them and so here's what people do like they in high school. You start talking about that group because you're not necessarily hanging with that group. And so you say they got a what? Click. They ain't did nothing to you. Hadn't talked about you. Hadn't said anything. They're just living their life. But they happen to be friends. And so now because you're not with them, you say they clickish. Not that they try to keep you out. It's just that sometimes people gravitate to different people. Sometimes we make connection with people. Is that right? So don't be afraid to have dinner over your house and invite five families from the church and, and, and feel like you got to invite the pastor because if you don't, the pastor's going to get mad. Listen, have your dinner. I'm serious. But some people are so immature and so, so and have not grown that they're just like they are in grade school. You can't be friends. If you're friends with me, you can't be friends with her. How many of y'all remember some of that mess? Guys, we ought to be mature in our faith. Are y'all tracking with me? So Paul is, 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 is saying this contention has to stop. Contention is one of the terrible works of the flesh that's identified in Galatians 5, 19. Let's go there right quick. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Let's read it out loud and on purpose. Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse number 19 through 21. The text says this. Let's read it together. It says what? When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now watch this. If you want to know if you're following the desires of your sinful nature, check out and see if any of this stuff is operating in your life. Check out and see if you are actually doing some of this stuff. Here it goes. Here's the works of the flesh. Here's how you know you flesh it. Okay, so you don't have to have any doubts. You don't have to, nobody has to prophesy whether or not you flesh it. You can see it for yourself. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are what? Very clear. Here's how you know you follow the desires of your sinful nature. There is what? Sexual immorality. So what is sexual immorality? Can I teach today? Sexual immorality is anything that's outside God's will. 
Sexual immorality or fornication, as the KJV use it, is a word that encompasses all types of sexual behavior that's not in line with God's will. Homosexuality, lesbianism. We, we love everybody, but, but that's, that's according to God's word. It's not an acceptable lifestyle. We've taught it before. I don't have time to go, go teach it on it now. All right, we love everybody, and we listen. Maybe you ha- maybe you have struggled with same-sex attraction, but we want to talk to you. We want to share with you what the Word of God says about that issue, and and let's let's get delivered. All right, uh, uh, bestiality. Y'all know they arrested folks for having sex with animals, right? Everybody say perversion, adultery. Say perversion. Sex with your boyfriend, and y'all not married. Perversion, outside the will of God, following the desires. Let me, let me go back and say it again because I got two amen on that one because some of y'all sleeping with the enemy. <laughs> I know that this may not be popular in the year 2019. But if you if you sexing with your boyfriend... Are you sexing with your girlfriend? Look at me. You are outside the will of God. Everybody say, you fleshy. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality. So we got got adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality, um, um, multiple... Sex partners, orgies. Now, guys, none of this stuff is new. Go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. None of this stuff ain't nothing new under the sun. You, you, can, you, you, can, you, can, you can call it whatever you want to call it, and, and, but it's perverted. I had a pastor friend tell me something. The other day, that, that I, I, I had no clue what he was talking about, but it's sexual perversion. He says, Pastor, have you ever heard of something called pegging? I say, pegging? What in the world is that? Some of y'all looking around like, yeah. He says, that's when a husband and wife are engaged in an activity that, well, just look it up, okay? My wife said, don't, don't say that, don't say that. <laughs> so I'm going to be obedient. But, 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 but it, it, it was perversion. Don't get your phone out right now. Some of y'all trying to find it right now. <laughs> Sexual immorality. Remember, the Corinthian church was awash with this. The temple of Aphrodite was there which had a thousand temple prostitutes where when you came into the worship service, part of the worship service in that temple, in the temple of Aphrodite was you had sex with temple prostitutes. And you had people from all parts of the globe at that time were in Corinth, a metropolitan city that had a vibrant economy and you had businessmen from all across the globe at that time there in Corinth. And you had all kind of debauchery going on. Guys, let me tell you something. God is concerned about what we do. Not only, there's more sin than sexual sin, guys. But, but Corinth was awash in sexual immorality. It says sexual immorality. So I, that's the most stuff I could name, but I'm going to keep moving because I don't want to get sidetracked. Some of y'all are still trying to find that. 
pay attention to me. <laughs> Impurity. Lustful pleasures. Let's keep going. Now, guys, this was happening in the church. Idolatry. Sorcery. Quit looking up your horoscope and quit identifying yourself as a Pisces and Taurus the bull. I'm a Sagittarius. How many of y'all remember when horoscopes were real popular? I don't, I don't know if still people do it, but back when we were coming up, hey, all you millennials, people used to go to the paper before, it's before the internet. I know y'all don't, y'all don't even know anything about before the internet, right? But every day, the Shreveport Time used to print horoscope. You remember that, Laura? Uh, and, and you would go and look and see what your day or your week was going to be about if you were Taurus. I'm a Taurus by, by what, you know, I'm born in May, so... I was considered to be Taurus the bull. And, 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 and that, was, that was, you know, people, people identified with their zodiac sign. Remember the floaters had that song, float? Float on. <laughs> Craig, you remember that, Craig? Add it, add it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm Larry. <laughs> Sagittarius, whatever he was, I don't know what he was. But zodiac signs were popular, and that's nothing but a, 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 a form, form of sorcery. Uh, there used to be a lady that came on the radio named Mother Truth, and she would, she would be giving you, uh, you, know, uh, you know, whatever, telling your future. Fortune telling is not in line with God's will for your life. It is of the enemy. Do you all remember the time when Paul and them cast a spirit out of a woman who was who was, had a spirit of divination, and she made money for her handlers. And her handlers got mad when she got delivered because when she got delivered, she stopped telling fortunes. See, when you deliver, people are going to know. Don't say you delivered and not be delivered. Listen, when you are delivered, some of this stuff begins to fall off. I'm not saying that you don't struggle with stuff. I'm not saying that you don't have to battle through and pray through and have somebody to hold you accountable because sometimes our flesh Gets a little weak. Got to depend on the Holy Spirit, okay? Tempa. So, so let me keep moving. Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. In the church, outburst of anger. Can I park there for a second? How many of y'all have trouble keeping your temper? How many of you have an issue with just blowing up and doing crazy stuff? God's going to deal with you because you belong here. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath and neither give place to death. We have to look at these things because this is what's happening in Corinth. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. 21, come on, let's go. Envy. Now, here we go. Drunkenness. Okay, now listen. Paul is saying these are the works of the flesh. How many of you been to wild parties? Everybody say you're fleshy. And other sins like these. That's the most stuff. He just didn't name it all. Let me tell you again, as I've told you before, that anyone living, now listen, living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
What, what does it mean to live an exalted life? That means that's your practicing lifestyle. You're known for that. You're known for wild party. You're known for drunkenness. You're known for envy. You're known for outbursts of anger. You're known for sexual immorality. You're known. That's a lifestyle. Anybody can mess up and fall. But when you're living that way, you better check your heart. Because I don't believe that the Bible teaches that you can be saved and just live any kind of way. As a matter of fact, I know when you read scripture, it doesn't tell you that, okay? Get back to 1 Corinthians. You got to keep moving. So, so we had this going on. We had this going on in the church, okay? We had divisions. So divisions brought on by fleshly behavior. And, and, and the church at Corinth was, was going through some things. Now, 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 the division was also brought on by super spirituality. Look at verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Super spirituality. Can we walk a little bit this morning? He says, some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos. Or I follow Peter. Or I follow only Christ. Now, now guys, watch this. There was a problem in preaching ability and style. There was a problem in preaching ability and style. There was no difference in the messages preached by Paul and Apollos they both preached the gospel of Christ, but there was a difference in their style of preaching and ministering. Look at, look at this right quick. Let's see if you, Jason, do you have that? Can you cue it up? Difference in styles of preaching. Elder Davis is going to read for me. Amen. Go ahead. Blessed. Blessed. Mm, that sounds good. Blessed. Amen. Who is blessed? Is the man. Is the man. Ladies and gentlemen, not the woman. Blessed is the man. What has he do to be the blessed, huh? That walking. That walking. And and I, I was reminded of a little little, little boy. I, I remember me and my sister. I I I owe you everything, God. Because you've been magnificent. Your neighbor. High is the number of five. To your neighbor. 
six, six pickup sticks, seven is the number of completion. You multiply that by three, that's 21. That's Deion Sanders. Somebody that's sweaty and say, on me, you don't want to see me, cuz, on everything. Hug somebody and tell them, devil, on me, you don't want to see me, cuz. Blood of Christ, he healed the Crips. Amen. Different styles. They were lining up. Now, that, that was just a, 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 a play on how sometimes... We, we gravitate to different styles of preaching. I am, I, I, I know, I sound like the guy that was studying, I, I studying and standing, I, I, <laughs> I know that, that there's some who don't necessarily appreciate the teaching ministry. But so, so I, I don't, now I'm conscious of stuttering that. But I don't get upset because sometimes, it meant, you know, when people, gravitate to a certain style of preaching, make sure it's not the style, but it's the word that's coming. Are y'all li listening to me? Don't get hung up on the style, but, but get hung up on the word that is being preached. All right? So, the, so that was a problem with, with uh, nah, I'm looking, there was a problem with, with Paulos and Paul and those followers because some of them were lining up based on how they preached the gospel. Apollos was an eloquent man and, and he was mighty in the scripture. Go to Acts the 18, chapter, verse number 24, right quick. Pop it up, guys. Acts 18, verse number 24. He was eloquent, and he was mighty in the scripture. He was, a, he was an outstanding uh, orator, okay? Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, what it says, what? An eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in, 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 in Egypt. So, again, he was an eloquent speaker. Now, Paul, on the other hand, was not a great orator. Go with me right quick to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse number 10. Pop it up, 2 Corinthians 10 and 10. Apollos could go. Great speaker. But here's what I want to caution you about. Don't get enamored with the style. Because there are some guys who got great oratorical skill, but they ain't saying nothing. There are some guys who can, who can, who can really go with it, but look at the content and the solidness of the word that's being preached. The Bible says this, for some say, Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but in person he is weak. And look at what they said about Paul. And his speeches are what? Worthless. They were saying that Paul can't even talk right. But guess what? Paul, when you look at it and you study it, Paul, Paul was undervalued by some churches because he was not the dynamic presenter like Apollos was, okay? And so they undervalued Paul as a preacher and they, they surrounded Apollos and followed after him. They failed to see God's distinct call and gifts to each one of those ministers, so they divided up based on the style of the preacher. Paul was small in stature as a missionary, but he was gifted, listen to this carefully, he was gifted in the understanding of the scriptures and he was gifted as an administrator in church order. Paul knew how to run the church. Paul knew how, amen, uh, to, to go deep into the scripture text and understand doctrine, okay? Both gifts, although not so much out in the forefront in public recognition, were of immense value to the church. You need somebody who's solid doctrinally. You need somebody who's not going to waver with every new thing that comes down the pipe. 
We got to make sure that we're solid doctrinally. And the only way we're going to make sure that we're solid doctrinally is we got to stay in the word. So Paul, amen, knew the scripture. Paul was gifted as an administrator in church order. And there's a good possibility because in Corinth, guys, you had a lot of intellectuals, philosophers there. And there's a good possibility a lot of those were the ones who lined up behind Apollos and, and they followed him and they, they shunned those who were followers of the Apostle Paul. So there was a problem in preaching ability and style. The next thing was, we see in the outline, there was the problem of turning liberty into a license to sin. There was the problem in the Corinthian church of turning liberty into a license to sin. Now, what do you mean by that, brother pastor? When I have liberty, that means that I got the freedom to do certain things. How many of y'all remember when you first got your car? You, you got your first car. Anybody remember that? When, when you got your, uh, your first car, and then no longer did you have to depend on mom and daddy to take you everywhere. Can anybody remember that? Some of you got your first car, you couldn't have drive that good, but they gave it to you anyhow. <laughs> and so when you got your license, we say, watch out, there she come. So you had a little freedom. But now that freedom by mom and dad giving you that car, amen, didn't give you the right to go and do stuff that mom and dad told you not to do. Am I making this plain? When mom and dad said, go to the store and pick up this and run by the pharmacy and pick up my prescription and come right back home. In your mind, you read, go to the store, pick up the prescription, run by Johnny's house for about 25 or 30 minutes and pretend like the traffic got, got me held up. <laughs> See, liberty cannot be used as a license to sin. Can I get a witness? Peter's emphasis had to deal with the traditions and the rituals of the church because he was the apostle to the Jews. Are y'all listening to me today? And some believers preferred that the traditions and the rituals be stressed more and that Paul's emphasis upon doctrine, salvation, and the daily walk of the believer be stressed less. The, the two groups began to gather around the name of the two apostles and they formed these cliques or these groups that were following different personalities. So guys, we got to realize that when, when you get liberty, that don't mean that you got the license to do whatever you want to do. Freedom comes with responsibility. Can I get a witness? Say, for instance, how many of y'all grew up and you were told you don't dance in the church? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you grew up uh, where there, there was no dancing in the church? This praise dance stuff we're doing now, that you, you would have been ran straight up out of that church. And there are still churches today that don't think that dancing is appropriate in the church. But here's what I do. I go to the scripture. Y'all want to run to the scripture with me? Let's go to the 150 number of Psalms. We used to quote it all the time, didn't we? Come on, y'all. Psalms 150. I remember in the church where drums were not allowed. How many of y'all grew up in a church where drums were not allowed? How many of you grew up in a church where you, you, you were discouraged from clapping? You, couldn't, you could say amen, but you couldn't clap. Anybody remember that? I, I need some hands away. All right? You, you, you don't clap. But then something happened one day. Craig, I looked in the scripture in the 47 number Psalm. It says, oh, clap your hands, all you people. It says, shout with the voice of triumph. 
So what am I going to do? Am I going to follow to tradition or am I going to follow the word of God? If, if the psalmist said, oh, clap your hands, all you people, shout with the voice of triumph, I'm going to clap my hands, I'm going to shout. The text says here, praise you the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to what? His excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the what? Psaltery and the harp. Praise him with what? The timbrel. Do we have a timbrel on here? What is that tambourine? Praise him with the timbrel and the what? Dance. And we always thought in some of the conservative Baptist churches that that's just for the Holy Ghost church. That's for the what? Sanctified church. Was that ignorant or what? We were just saying stuff that we didn't have any clue about what we were talking about. But when you get into the book and started exegeting the text, you see right here it says, praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Verse 5, praise him upon what? Loud cymbal. I, I feel like going here in that cymbal right now. Don't come here for me. No, 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 no. Praise him with the loud cymbal. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Verse number six. Let everything. I want to know are you breathing right now? Do you have breath in your body? It says, let everything that have breath do what? Praise him. Come on, give him a praise right now. Come on. And here's a foolish comment, I don't feel led to praise. You don't got to feel led to praise. You're commanded to praise him. Praising him ain't got nothing to do with you, how you feel. And guess what? Praising him has nothing to do with how good you are. It has everything to do with how good he is. Because if the truth be told, none of us are good enough to praise him. All of us got some stuff in us that need to come out, but God says, I inhabit the praises of my people. So you don't have to feel like praising him. You praise him because he's been good to you. You praise him because he made a way out of no way. You praise him because he healed your body. You praise him because he brought you back together in corporate relationship. I, 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 the preacher's talking about praise you, Lord, clap your hands. I don't need no man to tell me. No, no, you don't need no man, but you need the Bible. The Bible says clap your hands, all your people. Shout with the voice of triumph. The Bible says, praise him in the temple and the dance. So now are you going to let your traditions override the word of God? Yeah, some of y'all in here still right now. Well, I just, I'm just ain't comfortable with that. What does it got to do with you being comfortable with? What does the word of God say? So, 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 anyhow, anyhow. Where I was going with that was this. We have liberty to praise him in the timbrel, in the dance. But when we're in the church, we ought not be backing it up. Come on. If I'm going to praise him in the timbrel, dance, I got to watch this. I can't be. You follow me? My liberty to dance doesn't give me a license to dance in a way that's sexually provocative. Are y'all with me? I was watching, what was that? Uh, 
who was that playing the other, other, other week? I think it was, it was, was it Kansas City? Who did they play last week? Kansas City Chiefs. The Colts, yeah, thank you. Somebody wouldn't watch it. Some of y'all, if it ain't Dallas or Saints, y'all don't know nothing. <laughs> so the guy from, uh, the guy from, uh, who was it? The Colts sacked, the, sacked somebody, and then he got up and he started gyrating, and the, and the referee threw a flag on him. Now listen, they get, they, they, the NFL is giving them a little bit liber, more liberty to celebrate because you remember they, one while they clamped down on them because they got out of hand. And some folks, you can't give them an inch. Dude just got up and started like he was just, and they threw the flag on him, right? Don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Get back to 1 Corinthians right quick. Come on, I got to move through here. Are y'all still with me? So there was a problem of turning liberty into a license to sin. Because you have liberty to dance don't mean that you, you get out of hand. Because your mom and dad gave you a car and, and a license to drive don't mean you go everywhere you want to go when they told you not to go. And that was the problem of those who claimed to be of Christ. These were probably the group that was fed up with the other groups, and they set themselves up as being more spiritual than the others. Y'all know those kind of folks, right? They, they looked upon themselves as being too spiritual to lower themselves to the level of becoming identified with any clique or any leader. They probably began to think of themselves as the only true spiritual Christian in the church. Some people think they're the only one that's really saved. There are some denominations who think that they're the only one that, they think, you know, you go to a Baptist church, you ain't really saved. Huh? I, I would never be so arrogant enough to think that we're the only one that's preaching Jesus and we're the only somebody that's saved. Are you with me today? So, but, but, but this, this super spiritual group didn't identify with anybody. They just said, I, I just, I followed the Lord. I told you on last week that, that, that when it comes to the church, God sets authority in the church. And you follow me as I follow Christ. You're not following me, but follow me as I follow Christ. If I'm your pastoral leader. Okay? Are y'all tracking with me? So, so these super spiritual folks begin to, they, they claim that they were only followers of Christ. And the Corinthians considered themselves to be so advanced in maturity that it gave them a privileged position. You got a lot of educated folks and philosophers and people who sat around just debating thought to be or not to be. What is, is. Just, the, just, just coming up with stuff. Have you ever met those kind of folks that are so, so spiritually minded they're no earthly good? And so these folks here, uh, those who claim to be followers of Christ, set themselves up uh, to... to uh, at, at, in a position where they actually usurp God's authority and they put themselves in that position. So get back to 1 Corinthians. Let's move on down to the end of this chapter. So the super spirituality. And then you had, uh, next you had uh, the, um, those who were, we had division. We had, we had a division that was brought on by contention, that was brought, brought on by super spirituality, you know, lined up behind one person or another. Then you had um, division that was brought on by clicks in the church. Look at 13 through 16 with me right quick. 1 Corinthians chapter, 13, chapter 1 verses 13 through 16. Come on, let's go here. The text says this, 
Has Christ been divided into faction? Was I Paul crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. Next verse says, I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Christmas and Gaius. It says, for now, no one can say that they were baptized in my name. Let's go. It says what? Uh, oh, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. Glory. Let's keep moving. It says this. Uh, for Christ didn't send me to, to baptize, but to preach the good news and not with clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. You got to be careful that when the word of God is being preached or you're teaching a class, you don't get so much into your style and your PowerPoints. And those things are good as a teaching mechanism, but we got to stay true to the word of God. Amen. We got to stay solidly grounded in the word of God. Don't let the, the flash, don't let the, the new technology and all that take the place of a solid word. You can have all that stuff and it augments, it helps our learning experience, but never forget that the Bible should drive whatever we say. So therefore, whenever I'm dealing with you in the church and you're a member of the church, then I'm going to deal with you based on what the Word of God says since you say you're a Christian. There are things that we have to address in the church, amen, because you say you're a part of the body of Christ. Here, here, here's the thing that, that sort of boggles my mind is how people can say that they're a part of a church and they're a part of the body of Christ, but then don't want don't to uh, live in, in accordance with that profession of that faith. Or when someone asks them in sincere um, love and in sincere concern for that person, you try to reach out and help them, then they rebuff you because they don't want you to know what's, what's all going on in their life. Guys, if we're reaching out to you, it's because we want to help you, amen, walk in line with your profession of faith. It ain't getting in your business. Listen, I got enough business of my own. Can I get a witness? I, I got enough going on that I'm not trying to run around and find out what you're up to. But if it comes to me, and if I'm brought into the situation, I'm going to deal with it the way the word of God says deal with it. And we talked about church discipline, haven't we? We shared about church discipline, so we're going to deal with it that way. And if you can't handle that, then maybe you need to find a place where you can just do whatever you want to do and nobody says anything. Hello? Because the Bible I read talks about the church and what should take place. So in Corinth, you're going to see that this stuff was going on and nobody was saying anything about it. So he says this, and not with clever speech for, the, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. Verse 18, let's go. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are saved know it is the very power of God. All right, so clicks divide Christ. Because, you know, the question was asked, is Christ divided? We know that he's not, amen? But Jesus cannot be divided. There is only one Lord, only one person who is called the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not two persons. He will not, amen, and cannot be split in two. He is one person, and he has one will. Go to Ephesians 4, 4 through 5. With me. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 4 through 5. Clicks divide Christ. When you start lining up behind certain people, it divides the body. One of the things that, that's happened with the church today is, you know, we, denominationalism is really not of God. And there are some people who won't step foot in this church because they say we're not the true church because we don't have the same denominational name over the door. I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is Elizabeth Baptist Church because that was the name when we got here. 
We don't preach Baptist doctrine. We preach Bible doctrine. Are y'all listening to me? Some people say, well, you know, maybe you need to change the name so that, that, that it, it won't be a, a hindering from people coming to hear your message. And I, I can appreciate that because there are a lot of churches who, instead of saying uh, First Baptist Church of Bozier, they say First Bozier. There are churches in, in Monroe used to be Baptist. They say First, First Church, West Monroe. And so what they're trying to do is, 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 is lower the barrier because some people have a stereotypical image of what a Baptist church is like. How many of you know, some, some, we've had people tell us this. Well, y'all didn't act like a typical Baptist church. With some, I, I guarantee you, when some preachers come up here and see this stage, ain't no, ain't no chairs back here for the preacher to sit, they're going to think we in blasphemy. And there are going to be some who see the praise team up here singing where y'all can see them now. And when the praise dance teams dance, you can see them when I have to look around the head. We're trying to, trying to make it more conducive to the way we do ministry. There are going to be some people who are going to think we've lost our minds because they're stuck with a certain stereotype. So what I'm saying is some people will see Elizabeth Baptist Church and automatically think we're some stodgy church that doesn't preach the gospel. We're ignorant. You know, a lot of people think Baptists are ignorant. And in large part, a lot of churches, when I say ignorant, they don't know the Bible, don't know what they really believe. Stop a Jehovah Witness, he'll tell you what he believes. Stop a Muslim, he knows what he believes. Maybe wrong, but he knows what he believes. Stop a Baptist, they don't know what they believe. And you can talk them into believing whatever they, you tell them. And that's why I pick, sometimes people are easily led astray because they don't have, so, they don't have solid doctrinal foundation. But we're going to teach the Bible here. We're not going to, the Bible will never get old in this church as long as Doyle Adams is here. We're going to stay with the word. But I, I, I get what some people are saying. The name may hinder some people because some people think stereotypically we're going to be a certain way. But I always say just come and see. Next time I say just come and see. I say come and see, all right? Watch this. For there is one body and one spirit just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Next verse says what? There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Go to Colossians 1 and 18 with me right quick. Colossians 1 and 18. Pop it up real quickly. Colossians 1 and 18. Glory to God. The Corinthian church was in a scandalous state. Christ is also the head of the church, which is, the, uh, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Everybody say, Christ is first in everything. Cliques divide Christ. Cliques elevate men to be saviors. They were lined up. Paul, said, Paul says, you know, listen, I'm glad, Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize many of y'all because y'all been, been elevating me up to that position. Paul said, I'm not the one. And Doyle Adams is not the one. Don't elevate me. We're going to elevate Christ around here. Cliques elevate men to be saviors. Okay? Owe your allegiance to Christ and not men. Appreciate when somebody blessed you or led you to Christ and been instrumental in your life, but never put that person above Christ. Don't put your wife, your husband, your children, your job above Christ. He is supreme in our lives. Clicks also make a person a man follower. Paul says, I wasn't crucified for you. Okay? Paul says, you know, uh, I baptized some of y'all, but, don't, but, you know, but don't, don't, don't trip out, don't wig out. It's not about following me. It's about following Christ. Go with me right quick, if you will. 
to Philippians. Now go to go to go to Proverbs 29 and 23. Proverbs 29 and 23, right quick. Hallelujah. We got to roll on through it. Proverbs 29 and 23. Let's look at this right quick. The text says this pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. Pride ends in what? Humiliation, while humility brings honor. In other words, we don't ever, we don't ever be. We don't want to ever become so lifted up in pride that we want people following us. We don't want to be man, men followers. We want to be followers of Christ. And when you get that prideful, it's going, to, it's, going to, it's going to bring you down to destruction. Okay? It ends in humiliation. While when you walk in humility and not bring attention to yourself, it's going to bring honor to you. Okay? So let's go back to 1 Corinthians uh, and let's read down through verse 25. We're going to get you out of here. Okay? The Christ... The, the cross of Christ unites us. Listen, if we, there, I know that there are, there are little differences and nuances amongst different denominational churches, but we ought to be able to come together on the common ground of Jesus Christ. Within the church, we ought to be able to come together on the fact that Jesus is Lord. He is our Savior. He's our soon coming King. Are you with me today? The cross should unite us no matter what our religious background is. Maybe you grew up Catholic. Maybe you grew up Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Church of God in Christ. That don't matter. Let's come together on the common ground of Christ. Verse 18 of 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter number 1. Let's look at it right quick. Hallelujah. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. 19, let's go. As the scripture say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where, so where does this lead? Watch this now, okay? Because again, there, and maybe some of, some of us in here who think that we are too intelligent to, to walk in faith and to believe what God's word says. Some of you in here, have to, you know, I told y'all before, get as much education as you can and much training to prepare yourself for the opportunities that are coming your way. But don't ever trust in your education. Come on. Don't ever trust in your knowledge as something that's superior to the, what God knows. The text says, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look what? Foolish. Watch this in verse 21. It says, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. He's saying he chose preaching. Now, people who are philosophical, people who have high education scientists and others who, who are, we consider to be brainiacs, they can't understand why you come here every week and listen to someone speak to you about a God you can't see. It, it, it boggles their mind that you'll be willing to sacrifice your time, your resources, your talents to pursue a God you can't see. It doesn't make sense to them. But guess what? It makes sense to you because you know the Lord changed your life. He chose the foolishness of preaching. So folks who are educated can't understand this. And some of y'all out, out here struggle with faith and struggle with believing God because it don't make sense. Can I get a witness? It don't make sense. 
It, it, you, you can't calculate it. You can't, you can't fathom it. And so that's God got you right where he wants you because he chose the foolish things of this world to confound those who thought they were smart in worldly wisdom. Preaching. Lives are changed through what? Preaching. Some would have said, well, if I were God, and you're not, if I were God, I would have sent angels down and, and, and had them do some miraculous work and, and just you know, may turn water to wine or part, of, part an ocean so that people can see the miracle and, they get, and they'll believe. So there won't be any doubt. Let me tell you something, baby. You, you, can, you can have a miracle happen and people still will doubt. Are y'all listening to me? Since God is wisdom, so that the world would never through human wisdom, never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. 22, let's go. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. 23. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are what? Offended. And the Gentiles say it's all what? That's foolishness. The Jews are offended because, again, they were God's chosen people. They came out of Judaism, and this is the Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah who will come deliver them from the Roman oppression. But God sent a Messiah who says, I'm going to establish my spiritual kingdom first before I establish my literal kingdom here on earth. And the Jews couldn't understand that. They were offended that, that he was claiming to be the Messiah. And the Gentiles, who were philosophers, educators, they thought it was nonsense. This Christian stuff is nonsense. Look at 24. Let's go. Said, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is what? The power of God and the wisdom of God. 25. Look, this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. 26, let's go. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. How many of y'all can say that was me? Back up to that scripture right quick. Notice what he said. Few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. He's talking to the Corinthian church now. They were not quote, the elite, the religious elite, they were, they were common folk. But God takes that which is common and makes it supernatural. Look at this next verse. Let's go. It says, what? Well, instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. 28, come on, let's go. God chose things despised by the world Things count as nothing. Maybe you were the one who nobody really looked up to and thought you were going to amount to anything. But God saved you. Now he's using you. Maybe you were the one in the family that, that, that there was low expectations of you. But God saved you. And now he's using you. Maybe you're the one in school who, were not, who was not voted the most likely to succeed. Maybe you were the one in school who were not very popular, but God saved you. And now he's using you and giving you a platform to carry his message. God chooses those things that are insignificant to prove to those who are wise according to the world that you don't know what you're talking about. Watch this, watch this, watch this. And use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Verse number 29. As a result, watch this, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. KJV says no flesh can glory in his presence because God chose those things that are minute, small, common, saved, delivered, and using them for his glory now. So that gives all of us hope. If you didn't grow up in a powerful, rich family, you got hope now. 
God can use you to do some supernatural things, some awesome things in this earth realm. And he uses that to show the world in their wisdom that I'm wiser than you are. Glory be to God. Everybody say, it was scandalous, but God can deliver. Give the Lord a hand in praise. God bless you.